Well, this is our, our final night uh, on the Holy Spirit, and we're going to read from the Bible first of all, and then I'm going to say a, a few bits and pieces about who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. Uh, so if you've got a Bible, uh, turn with me to Luke chapter 11, and we're going to read verses 9 to 13. Luke chapter 11, uh, it's verses 9 to 13, uh, just a short passage, and we'll refer to this passage towards the end of our time together. And um, it is a little bit to say, a little bit of helpful application for us as we round off this series. So it's Luke 11, and it's verses 9 to 13, and this is God's word to us. Jesus says, And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Amen. Well, tonight, as I've said, is our, is our final night thinking about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so far in this series, uh, we have seen that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He's the life giver. He is our advocate and he is our sanctifier. Uh, I had anticipated that we would have five evenings in this series, but it has worked out as four instead. Uh, that means we're going to do a little bit of cramming tonight. Um, I was always a crammer, even when I was at school, so when it came to exams... I'd always try and cram in some revision the night before. We're going to try and cram in a little bit tonight on who the Holy Spirit is. I want to talk for a little bit about spiritual gifts and how the Reformed faith understands spiritual gifts. And then I want to summarise the series. So let's talk about spiritual gifts first of all. Um, this is the area uh, of... This is the area of the work of the Holy Spirit that is most controversial. So Christians of different persuasions disagree about the nature of spiritual gifts in the church age. Um, our friends in Elam or Pentecostal churches believe that the gifts of tongues, prophecy and miracles continue today. C classically and historically speaking, PCI has said that those gifts have ceased. Uh, what I want to do in this first part of the talk is work through our understanding of spiritual gifts I should say that I'm not really going to cover what continuationists believe, so what Elam, Pentecostal churches believe. I'm going to focus on our position within the Reformed tradition. Now, I hope this isn't too much of a whirlwind, but here we go. Spiritual gifts are qualities and empowerments that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit give to the people of God in order to make them effective in ministry. So when God's people use these gifts in service to one another, the entire church is built up. Uh, under the Old Covenant, in the Old Testament, God, by his Holy Spirit, gifted individual believers for ministry, but he didn't gift everyone. Now, that's evident from passages like Numbers eleven twenty nine and following. And there Moses expresses hope that one day the Lord would put his Spirit on all of his people so that they would all speak God's word as prophets. Uh, in a similar way, Joel 2, 28 and 29 predicts the outpouring of God's Spirit in the last days and the empowering of God's people for ministry. Uh, by last days there, we mean the time between Jesus' ascension and his return. That's what the scripture refers to when it refers to the last days, Jesus ascending to heaven and then his return. 
all, all believers under the old covenant enjoyed the Spirit's work of regeneration. They also experienced the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, all be in a lesser way to new covenant believers. So Old Testament believers experienced the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in a lesser way than we do as New Testament believers. Uh, only a few believers were gifted for ministry and spiritual gifting was limited to mainly Old Covenant prophets, priests and kings. Now, with the death and resurrection of Jesus, death, resurrection and ascension of Jesus, a new era dawned for the people of God. Having ascended to heaven, Jesus poured out his spirit in a fresh way on his people. The initial signs of this outpouring were the wind, fire and speaking in tongues that occurred on the day of Pentecost. Dramatic signs like that ended at the end of the apostolic era, though. The Apostle Paul talks about the gifts of the Holy Spirit more than any other apostle. So his teaching on this subject can be found in passages like uh, Romans 12, 3 to 8, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 through to 14, and also Ephesians 4, 1 to 16. Now, those texts all tell us that the main purpose of the gifts and offices of the Father the, the, uh, the gifts and offices of the Father grants to the Church of Christ. The, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are to build up the Church in love and, and unity until the whole body is mature. Any use of the gifts of the Spirit to other ends is illegitimate and not in keeping with God's intent in gifting his people for ministry. First uh, Peter 4, 10 and 11 also addresses the topic of spiritual gifts. And that passage reminds us that we are stewards of what God has given us and that we're to use our gifts to glorify God and serve his people. Uh, many individual gifts are highlighted in those passages on the screen. Uh, there is significant overlap between the lists, but there are also some differences. That tells us that although there are many gifts of the Spirit listed in Scripture, the apostles never intended to list every possible way the Holy Spirit can empower us for ministry and service. Uh, while we should be hesitant about calling any particular talent used for ministry as a spiritual gift, if it's not named in the Bible, we should also understand that when such talents are used to the glory of God, the Holy Spirit is at work as well. Uh, the gifts of the Spirit fall into two general categories. So there are continuing gifts and there are gifts that have ceased. Uh, continuing gifts include things like wisdom, knowledge, faith, mercy, service, teaching, and generosity. Very importantly, all believers are to exercise these uh, each uh, exercise each of these qualities to some degree. So these are things <coughs> that we are all to seek after. Uh, spiritual gifts that have ceased include tongues, prophecy, and miracles. In simple terms, these gifts were given to the apostles to show that they were the real deal. The signs the apostles were able to perform and do authenticated them as messengers of God. When the last apostle died, these gifts passed from the church. When we talk about spiritual gifts, it's vital that we remember that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given according to God's sovereign will and are all important to the healthy functioning of the church. Some gifts, such as teaching, are more public and noticeable. Other gifts, like service, are often more private and may never be acknowledged. But God values equally the gifts that are used publicly and privately. So think of it this way. He, he uses both the teaching gift of preachers and teachers 
as well as the service gift of those who volunteer in church organizations to advance his kingdom. He also uses the wisdom shown by church elders as well as the faith of the prayer warrior who quietly yet regularly prays for others. We shouldn't envy the gifts of others, but we should be content with what the Lord has given us. All Christians, with the help of other believers, are to discern or think about their gifts and use them not for themselves, but for the glory of God and the good of other believers. Now, I know that some of you will have questions about some of what I've said. Please talk to me afterwards because I'd love to talk this through with you and help you a little bit about I know it's been a bit of a whirlwind and there is a lot that I didn't cover or say and I didn't cover the other position but we don't really have time to do that tonight. I should also say that I'm going to post some articles on the church website this evening. So there's an article in favour of the cessationist position, PCI's position, my position and there's an article in favour of the continuationist position and then there are two other general articles about this topic and issue. So you should read all four of those and think it through for yourself. Um, really important that we, we do that, really important that we use our minds, look at our Bibles, think through different positions, and then come to our own conclusions. As we talk about the issue of spiritual gifts, I'm also aware that it's a secondary issue. So there are some issues that are primary and some issues that are gospel issues. So justification, the work of Christ, they're all central to the Christian gospel. But it is possible for Christians to disagree on this issue. And my guess is there is probably a variety of opinions on spiritual gifts here tonight. The one problem I often see with this debate is that it misses the point. The Spirit's work is far greater than just these miraculous gifts. If we only think that this is all the Spirit does, the spiritual gifts, then we've sadly misunderstood his work. And that's something that we have become more aware of, I think, through this series. We have seen that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He's the third person of the Godhead. He's not a force. He's a person. Uh, we've seen that he's the life giver. He was the one who hovered over the waters at creation. And he is the one who brings dead sinners like us into light, into spiritual life. And he regenerates us and points us to our Saviour. Uh, the Holy Spirit is also our advocate. We've thought about that too. He, he's our advocate who in, indwells us and helps us to address our Father in prayer. The advocate who helps us as we encounter the world. The advocate who comforts us by consoling us and providing us with strength. And he's also our sanctifier. It's his primary work to make us more like the Lord Jesus. And he does that as we give ourselves to the reading and study of the scriptures. What's the application for us as we round this series off? Well, Jesus has some really good advice, some really good application for us. But before we come to that advice, let me tell you a made-up story. It's early on a Saturday morning, barely 7am, which means that it's still kind of dark, especially these days. Imagine that you're lying awake and you're hungry. It's dark, but that doesn't put you off and you get up to go and make some pancakes you get some flour and a little oil and then you go to the fridge for an egg and you only need one egg but there are no eggs in your fridge, no eggs left. So you think for a moment and then you decide to go over to your neighbor's, neighbor's house. Uh, you cautiously knock the door and after waiting for a few minutes the door slowly opens and your neighbor says through you know, rubbing their eyes, they say, well, what, what, you know, what do you want? It's Saturday morning, the kids are all in bed. I should be in bed. Why are you up so early? What do you want? And you reply, I'm sorry to bother you. I just need one egg. 
and your neighbour says, come back at half nine. But before they close the door, you stick your foot in between it and the door frame and you make one more appeal. Please, I can see your fridge from here. It won't take you more than 10 seconds. Just give me one egg. Please, just one egg and then you can go back to bed. And sure enough, with a little persistence, you get your egg and then you get your pancakes. Jesus told a story like that in our Bible reading. So listen again to Luke 11, verses 9 to 13. Jesus says, And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent, or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What's the advice Jesus has for us? What's the application for us tonight if we're believers? It's that we should go on ahead and knock. We should ask the Lord for his best gift of all. We should ask him for more of the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. We should ask God to fill our church family with the Spirit's power. Wouldn't you like more of Christ? More repentance in your life? More godliness in your life? Wouldn't wouldn't we like our church to be even more loving, even more faithful, even more courageous, even more God-honouring? Wouldn't you like more? Jesus says, all we have to do is ask. Jesus himself promises a favourable response. Ask for the Holy Spirit and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. As we close this series, let me remind you of a quote that I shared from C.H. Spurgeon uh, on one of our other nights. Spurgeon once said this. He said, without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without wind or chariots without steeds. Like branches without sap, we are withered. Like coals without fire, we are useless. As an offering without the sacrificial flame, we are unaccepted. Without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. Therefore, we need to ask God for more of the Holy Spirit's presence in our individual lives and in the life of our church family. Let's pray together now and ask God to give us more, more of the Spirit's power and more of the Spirit's help. Father, we thank you for this brilliant story from the Lord Jesus, these brilliant words from Jesus, in which he tells us that if we ask, if we knock, and if we seek more of the Holy Spirit in our lives, you will graciously give him to us. Father, we pray that we would go deeper in our walk with you, We pray that we would know Christ more fully. We pray that we would become more Christ-like and that you would help us as a church family to be fueled by your Spirit's power. Thank you for all that we've learned in this series. Uh, Thank you for how the Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, the life giver, our advocate, our sanctifier. And Father, help us as we think through the issue of spiritual gifts. We've thought about it briefly tonight. Help us all to use our minds and to think this issue through and to come to good and godly conclusions on it. 
Father, we realise, though, that without your Spirit, without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. And so tonight, we ask for more. We pray that you would fill us with your Spirit and help us to walk in your ways. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.